0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our King, Jesus Christ. Amen. As you well know, the symbol of the cross is the universal symbol of Christianity. And virtually every person in the world knows when they see the sign of the cross, they know what it means. It means Christianity. It means a Christian. It means Jesus Christ. Also quite universal is the crucifix. A a crucifix simply means a cross with a depiction of the crucified Jesus upon it. Now some might think that we don't use crucifixes in Lutheran churches because to them it either means that we're somehow denying the the resurrection that we should only depict empty crosses or maybe they think that a crucifix is uh, more of a Roman Catholic symbol and that's why we don't use it. But neither of those things are are really actually true. Avoiding crucifixes and and crosses in general have some historical roots in what's called the radical reformation. the, The movement of theologians who took what the Lutherans were trying to do back in the 1500s and they went to the extreme with it. They began to take down in their churches all images, all artwork, all statues, and even all crosses, they took them out of their churches thinking that they were going to to better avoid any kind of idolatry by doing so. But the original reformers didn't do that. Theirs was a conservative reformation. They only wanted to address and correct blatant abuses and scriptural errors that had sprung up by that time at the time of the medieval church. But they knew there was a lot of good to keep. They wanted to keep the rest because there, was so ma- there were so many beneficial things. They didn't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. And so that included, of course, both crosses and crucifixes. After all, when we see a crucifix... It's simply a visual representation of what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. He writes, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and Christ the wisdom of God. Christians see crosses or crucifixes, they see the place where Jesus died for us, and we know that it was his chosen instrument of power and wisdom. And if we display a crucifix as opposed to an empty cross, it doesn't mean that the resurrection isn't also important, it's simply a recognition that Christ's work of salvation for us began at the cross. And that's why they are a good thing to see. But now let me ask you, have you ever stopped to think about how odd the cross actually is? That God chose a cross as the vehicle of Jesus's salvation for us, and that Christians did adopt it eventually as the symbol of our faith? The early Christians, they didn't do that right away for the first uh, 100 or 200 years. But we do eventually, uh, universally, like I said, adopt the cross. But the reason why they didn't do it right away was because it was still, the cross was still being used by the Romans to execute people in the most horrific and embarrassing way, including many of those early Christians. It would be like, this analogy will fall short just a little bit, but it would be like, uh, Jesus, imagine Jesus came in our day instead of 2,000 years ago, and that public, imagine public executions were still taking place often, but by means of the electric chair. And that's how Jesus was killed. It would be as if the depiction then of an electric chair became the symbol of our religion. People might shudder when they see it. It would bring up horrible memories or feelings for us. Some of us who were alive when Jesus were killed would would remember that event, and so think about that, or we would have loved ones who were killed by the same. That depiction would make us cringe or cry or even become calloused when we saw it. But this is what it was like for those early Christians, and it makes us realize all the more how shocking. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians would have been to hear. Those early Christians heard him say, We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ on a cross, which means we take as our primary message a message of suffering and shame and death. Today, as we've heard, is the last Sunday of our church year. It's known as Christ the King Sunday, or as we like to call it here, Christ our King Sunday. And we hear today the throne that Jesus decides to take, the throne he decides, the place where he goes to make his rule known as Lord, as the ruler of all things. And he chose to accomplish his work at the throne of the cross. You often see on crosses and crucifixes four letters above the head of Jesus. It looks like the letters in English, I-N-R-I. This is a depiction of what Pontius Pilate had written over Jesus' head. In Latin, it's Jesus Nazarenus Rex Eudorum. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Now, whether Pilate was writing that, In jest, or he was writing it just to anger some of the religious leaders. It's hard to say why he did it. But we heard in our gospel reading today that many were using that title for Jesus, King of the Jews, as a launching point for their mockery of him. The soldiers yelled out, if you are the King of the Jews, then save yourself. And the first criminal that was crucified next to Jesus railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Are you not the King? save yourself and then save me. But in the midst of all of this mockery and in the midst of all of this humiliation, this shameful and dehumanizing moment, we have a strange moment that we hear a moment of intimacy, a moment between Jesus and the second criminal. And this man is repentant. He makes a confession of sins. He admits that he is there because he deserves it. His death is deserved, he knows, because of his deeds. But then he goes on to make a confession of faith. He knows that Jesus has done nothing wrong, that Jesus' death is not deserved, and, what's more, that he knows Jesus will be vindicated. He knows that Jesus is the rightful king, and that he will soon be entering his kingdom as true King you see this criminal had just heard Jesus pray to God to forgive those who know not what they do and so he prays that Jesus might also forgive someone who knows full well what he has done and he throws all of his hope upon Jesus and he asks him Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and to this prayer of a dying man Jesus responds with a promise, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This kind of intimate moment stands out in the midst of a public execution. It's kind of strange, like I said, on the face of it. But it also stands out to us today because quite unexpectedly and quite shockingly, we realize that it's true. In this one small moment, we see truth in, in, in the midst of all these falsehoods, in the midst of all the mocking going on. We see a true sinner meeting his true Savior and King. We see exactly why the cross, of all things, is Jesus' chosen instrument of power and salvation. And it's because it's exactly what we've seen throughout all the Gospel of Luke. Again, the, the end of our church year means the end of our journey through one of the Gospels. This past year it was the Gospel of Luke. And, and next church year, beginning next Sunday, we'll begin our, our journey through the Gospel of Matthew. And, and, and we rotate through the Gospels like that. But throughout Luke, what we heard, and, and this is also in, in the other Gospels, but throughout Luke especially, we've seen Jesus love those who are lost, the marginalized, and the mocked the disabled and the disfranchised, the hopeless and the humiliated, the suffering and the sinner. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Not the found, not the healthy, not the righteous, but the lost. Jesus had mercy on Gentiles, He healed the sick. He touched the unclean. He drove out demons. He walked alongside the outcast of society. He broke down the walls of hostility. He forgave the unforgivable. He relentlessly pursued not those who by their own volition could come to him or those who thought they could. No, Jesus went after those he knew who couldn't. And he went forward for them as their savior. And as their king, Jesus went forward to his kingly throne on the cross. And there, right before he speaks his last words, before he gives up his spirit, he reserves one more word of promise for this criminal who repents. All the others were mocking him, crying out to him, telling him to save himself. But in truth, Jesus hadn't come to save himself. He had come to save all those who couldn't save themselves. And that includes both you and me. In our collect of the day, our prayer of the day today, we prayed, Lord Jesus Christ, you reign among us by the preaching of your cross. And so today we realize and we remember that our Savior Jesus rules over this creation not in spite of the cross. But through it, he chose not to free himself from the cross, because it was by that cross that he now frees us. Jesus took what was supposed to be the power of his enemies against him, and he used it as his power to defeat those same enemies for us, our enemies of sin and death and the devil and hell. We are free from sin. We are free from death and the devil. We are free from hell. We are free from all things that could ever possibly separate us from the love of God that he has for us in Christ Jesus, and it's all because of the cross. But I guess a question we might ask ourselves is how free does it seem like we are today? How powerful is the cross In our lives in this world yes we know we are forgiven and yes we know we are free but if the cross is God's power and wisdom in Christ then why does it seem like at times God's people and his church are so weak so foolish and so powerless Christianity is being constantly moved to the margins of our society. It is no longer the norm in terms of cultural influence. We are not serious partners in any societal conversations. I know many of you might still be reeling from the results of our recent election. Not in every case, but in many of the elections and the ballot proposals, it seems like our voice as the church more and more is out of step with our society's voice. And I don't mean to say that Christians are only of one party or the other, not at all. But there are differences in matters of clear Christian conscience when it does come to certain issues, like issues of life. And increasingly, it's become clear that a Christian voice is no longer the majority voice. In fact, Orthodox Christian values are now usually depicted as an obstruction to the so-called progress that our society is making. So where is Christ's reign in all of that? Where is his power? And That's also not to mention the weaknesses that we see within ourselves and within our own church. Where is Christ's power? There's a particular style of crucifix that's always stood out very meaningfully to me. It's called the Christus Rex, Christ the King. The Christus Rex is an older variation of the crucifix that you see occasionally sometimes, even in Lutheran sanctuaries. And at first glance, it seems very uh, similar to depictions of Jesus as the king, of a kingly Jesus. It shows him fully clothed with regal vestments of his offices of priest and king. He is wearing a crown. On closer inspection, however, we see that the body of Jesus, of King Jesus, is also crucified to the cross. His outstretched hands, while in a posture of blessing, they are still nailed to the cross, and so are his feet. And the Christus Rex confesses that the cross was indeed our King's throne of glory, and that as our priest, he offered himself up as the highest sacrifice for us. And so this is an image of our confession In this world this confession that we make is a confession that we see and will continue to see things differently than the world sees them the world sees only one thing but we see two at the same time for instance where the world sees a humiliating crucifixion we see at the same time our glorified King Where the world sees folly, we see at the same time godly wisdom to save. Where the world sees a stumbling block, we see at the same time God's power as God. And where the world sees us, or chooses to ignore us, or laugh at, or scorn us, we look to the cross and we see at the same time our Christus Rex, Christ our crucified and yet victorious king. And we know from his cross, Jesus does in fact reign. And just as he did during his whole ministry on earth, he is still today gathering the marginalized and the mocked, the disabled and the disfranchised, the hopeless and the humiliated, the suffering and the sinner. In the shadow of his cross, Jesus gathers you and me, We are among the ones whom Jesus has come to save. And we know that the day is coming when we will see our king face to face, this time not in humiliation or shame, but in glory. And he will make all things that are currently wrong right on that day. But remember this as well, that on that day after we see the glory of Jesus' face, we will also be able to look down and see his hands and see his feet, and see his side, and we will see the marks of his suffering, the marks of what Jesus was willing to endure for our sake. And what it reminds us is that as we look back even now over all of our suffering that we might be called upon to endure, that as Jesus calls us in this life to pick up our own cross and follow him, which is difficult and hard, that we will see that and eventually one day we will see it finished and glorified and that all those roads, those difficult roads lead to him in the new creation. And so Jesus is calling you today by his word to see him once again as your king. A king who from the cross shares with you a personal word of promise. Jesus shares with you an intimate conversation In a world, in the midst of a world filled with mockery and hate. But because Jesus is your crucified and resurrected and ascended king, you know he is trustworthy. You can trust that wherever he reigns, he extends a word of promise to you. He extends a word of promise to all sinners. And that by his cross we are forgiven. We are saved. And we are safe. So come. Listen and receive. Jesus is here for you. He speaks to you. He is present for you as he comes to you once again as your crucified, resurrected, and ascended King. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our King. Amen.